0: has come and has given us or provided for us this joy that is unspeakable and is full of glory. Uh, Matthew chapter 13, verse 44, the kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field. When a man found it, he hid it again, and then in his joy he went. He sold all that he had, and he bought that field. Let's pray. Father, we pray that as we look into the Scriptures, that we might not only recognize the things pertaining to this joy that you have granted to us and you have taught, but we pray, God, that we may be able to tap into some of the experiences that we have faced. Some of those moments in life when fear has overwhelmed us and then the blessing came. We pray, O God, that in the beauty of the gift of your joy through Jesus, we might experience a kind of renewal and freshness during this season once again. In Jesus' name, amen. There is a, a happiness in life that sometimes is called joy. But happiness is different than joy, because happiness is more about a pleasure you've experienced, a comfort you found, a momentary excitement you've gone through. Joy is so much deeper. Happiness comes and goes with life. We celebrate times when we succeed and experience this happiness. Times when we've achieved something, we are delighted. Times we're rewarded for something we did. We experience what seems to be a moment of joy, and yet it's just happiness. I'm content, I'm pleased for the event. We might sing and dance when life seems to be so promising, and the abundance of blessings, they seem to be falling on every side of us. Yet some of us, we are well aware That happiness or joy, whatever we might think to call it, seems to come and go when the seasons of life change. The pleasures of life, they last for a little while and then they're gone. The good things, oh, they're so temporary. We celebrate those times uh, with singing and dancing and we have great delight, but quite often the disappointments and the, the discouragement and the problems of life seem to come knocking on our door and we wonder, where is this joy? Jesus came to give us so much more than just some kind of a momentary happiness or some kind of delight because the moment seems to be well. This joy that He gives us has come to stay. And the joy that He gives us not only stays with us, but it shapes our life. It transforms all of the things in which we look at Jesus came to a world where faith was beginning to lose its, its freshness, its glow, its, its glory. They professed in what they believed was, was more about a story in the old days. The blessings of a land overflowing with milk and honey became more like an idea or thought. Their relationship with God that was once so precious... And the miracle working God who walks among his people and lives among his people was replaced by a religion of pretty much a predictable pattern. That life is not so great, it's just that we use terms or phrases to to try to tell ourselves it's really going to be fine. Jesus came back to bring to his people that joy that they once had. He came to give us that joy that maybe we've tasted once in a while in life. He came to give us Himself so that you and I might have a joy that remains and abides with us. Joy is so much greater than momentary happiness that might be found because things are well today or that see things seem to be delightful for the moment. He came to give us Himself. I believe that... Uh, when we look at the scriptures and we look at the record of Luke chapter 2 verse 10, where the angel says, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all of the people. Joy is found in the person of Jesus. And the promise of that joy does not come because our day is good or our week has been blessed or seemingly the circumstances have worked out or what I prayed for came as a reality that is different. That's a happiness. That's a satisfaction because our circumstances have brought a desirable moment. Joy is so much deeper. It's so much more personal to us. It's a possession that lasts because of the Jesus who comes and dwells within us. Joy is found in and through Jesus because he is the Savior of not only the world, but he is my Savior and he is yours. By means of faith, the indwelling presence gives us this joy. Even David himself, after he had committed that sin with Bathsheba, his prayer was, Restore unto me the joy of thy salvation. And so we recognize this joy that comes through Jesus Christ is because of the sweetness of the relationship we have with God. And when things begin to infiltrate our life, when, when the circumstances seem to overwhelm us, when the problems come, when our relationship with God is tested and sifted, that joy seems to be threatened, but it's not the joy that disappears, it's the momentary happiness in the experiences. Joy is not only a gift that comes through the person of Jesus Christ, it is the fruit of God's Holy Spirit imparted to us when we come to faith and believe in Jesus Christ. As we come to faith, joy kindles a flame, a newness, a freshness of what is known as God's first love. This joy is what quickens us, it distinguishes us, it gives us a sense of inner strength or power, it regenerates our life. We are born again. Everything is new. When we are in a relationship with Jesus Christ, the old you and me is in the past, and the new is what defines us, it's what describes us. This newness of life is the secret to the joy of life. With the relationship with Christ and our, and our relationship uh, in which He has imparted Himself to us, you and I have been granted or given that joy that comes from Him. This is the rejoicing in Jesus. He, it's the good news that He has come to give us joy. There's a transition between our yesterday and today. A time when we were lost, but now we're found. We were dead, but now we are alive. And that is, that aliveness is that joy that comes through Jesus Christ. This kind of joy cannot be formed, it cannot be created... By us simply choosing to be joyful. We cannot demand this joy or force our hearts to experience this joy. This joy is internal. It is a delight that comes from the gift of God. It is the indwelling, the abiding presence of God. That indeed is what gives us not only the promise of life, but the possession of eternal life right now part of that experience of life is the joy of this relationship with Jesus Christ. He indeed is the true joy maker. Turn with me to the Gospel of John, chapter 15, verse 11. We are somewhat familiar, I'm sure, with the the context of this, of the vine and the branches and how that there is a, a a growing relationship and a connection with Christ, who is the branch or is the vine, and, and you and I are branches. And that abiding and that tapping in together, it gives us not only the connectedness that we all were created to have, but notice in verse eleven. I have told you this: the punchline to the whole parable. The, the conclusion to the whole matter of this unique connectedness, I've told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. The appeal we have or the thought we have pertaining to Christmas is Christmas is a time to allow our hearts to be open. And let the life of Christ not only give us some thoughts to to work in our minds, but as our hearts receive Christ, that joy comes as a package deal. When we receive Christ, this joy begins to come in, and this joy begins to give us comfort and strength and hope and peace. But that joy is so much more than the comfort that comes because things are going great in my life. It is The satisfaction or the energy that comes when things may or may not be so sweet. Let's go back to Matthew chapter 13 and read verse 44 once again. Matthew chapter 13 and verse 44. Did I ever turn this on? Okay, making sure I'm on. Matthew chapter 13, verse 44. The kingdom of heaven is like treasure. It's hidden in a field. When a man found it, he hid it again. And then in his joy, he went and sold all that he had, and he bought that field. Now, a little background to that is you have a guy who works for somebody else, and he, by the grace of God, discovers a treasure. Now, the reason he finds a treasure is my understanding is there was a time when there was no Bank of America, there was no M&T Bank, there were no places for you to take your accumulated savings and put them in a safe place. There was a time that you went out by the old oak tree or you went out by the big rock and you dug a hole, you put your, your valuables in there and you buried them. It was before the days when the mattress was a good place to hide it. It was a time in which, in cultural understanding, that what you saved, you had to protect. You were the one that had to make sure that your savings were in a safe place. Well, in that type of environment, there's times when we get old, and we can't remember where we put the keys to the car. So there's a chance that you can lose your savings. Or there's a time in which you can't take your gold with you, so somehow it got left behind. Sometimes it is such a secret on where you hid your treasures that maybe you don't remember it, but certainly nobody else does. So here is a man who simply is trying to make ends meet. He's trying to put the pieces of life together. He's simply trying to get by and earn a few bucks and in the process of working in somebody else's field he finds more of a valuable treasure than he has ever seen in his life his eyes probably got big and his heart pounded he said but I'm an honorable man this is not mine it belongs to the owner of the field but I do will do one thing i can say one thing i can take a position of one kind is if I buy the field, then that treasure becomes mine. And so he accumulated everything he had, and he rubbed together as many pennies as he could find. And he put together everything he had, and he tried to get rid of the things he didn't need so he could accumulate a little bit more. And in all that he gathered together, he thought, I'll put in an offer. I'll go to the owner. And I will give him everything I can possibly come up with. Because the cost of that field is nothing compared to the value of that treasure. Now it's a parable. A parable doesn't really try to tell you how to get rich. A parable is to wet your little mind and your heart and say, Jesus is worth more than anything else in life. And that's what this joy concept is about, is that Jesus came and when people sized him up, they checked him out, they looked him over, they listened to him, they followed him, and some people never discovered the beauty of that treasure and therefore the joy never quite blossomed as it ought to be. Those of us that have experienced Christ and we've seen his value and his worth and how much that Jesus in us would literally change our world and our value and confidence in him would be so much better than anything else to you and I we've tasted the joy we've seen pieces of it we've experienced some of that and so what we need to realize is the right answer is if you get Jesus you get the joy it comes as a package deal but sometimes we don't know who we have Sometimes we've invited Christ in and we might assume that it automatically just puts a smile on your face or automatically somehow you are floating on this first love and you've never felt anything so great or so good. My understanding is there's a story about a man who was a gold miner and I probably told you this before. He was out there mining gold back in the mid-1800s And he had uh, worked and spent and did everything, all the sacrifice of hoping one day he would find some gold and he would strike it rich. He came, he lived, he died. And so when people came and called up his family and said he gave his life hoping and dreaming that one day there would be this treasure to be found. And he would share his wealth with his family. But his family never understood or knew that he had found a huge rock but it didn't glitter it didn't shine he didn't think it was gold it's simply a rock kind of yellowish in color but did not have the sparkle or the glow he simply used it to prop his door open on hot summer days he had the treasure but had no joy because he did not know it was the real deal There's a chance that we can miss Jesus. There's a chance that we might not see him as he really is. We may not understand how good he is or how great he is. And somehow the greatness or the joy that comes in our hearts, we may never experience because he's just a baby. He's just one that's in the manger. He's just the one that only wise men seem to get excited about. He's just not that great I can clearly remember a challenge laid upon my heart and mind one day I was I was really getting excited about Jesus talking about all the changes he made in my life and I was sharing with a group of people and one guy stopped me and he looked at me he said that sounds boring It's hard to explain. When when God has given you joy, He's given you meaning in life, He's given you peace in life, He's given you a changed life, and to someone who lives a little bit more on the exciting road, they simply look at your life as pretty plain and boring. You go to the same job on a regular basis, you do the same kind of things, you stay with the same wife every single night, your life is pretty much predictable. It's kind of calm and it's boring. It's joy when it comes in the heart. It gives an excitement, enthusiasm, and energy that some people may not understand. But to us, we've discovered the treasure. We have seen the value of knowing Jesus Christ. And He has given us structure. He's given us stability. He's given us our identity back. He's given us a meaning to life. He's given us purpose. He gives us peace at night of knowing I'm okay because I got God, and God has me. And so the beauty of the joy that Jesus gives isn't really an automatic thing that just dumps out when you hit the Jesus button. It comes, in some sense, in crude form, like the gold that doesn't quite glitter. But you and I need to realize that what the parable teaches is in the process of working through life, he discovered, he found something. And that's something we want to try to build upon and understand. The joy of Christmas might be hidden in some sense, but when you look at it closely, you observe it a little bit more, you consider what truly took place, and you allow yourself to be a child once again and take the little animals out of the manger scene and check out the wise men and try to understand all of the beauty of the angelic host we trust we might find something we've never seen before. But as you and I journey in our faith and we attempt to understand the Jesus and we look at Him not only in baby form, but look at the things He taught and the things He said and the places He went and the people He impacted, I trust the gold will begin to shine. You and I might see through what seems to be such a common person, an ordinary man, and see the beauty of his true identity. There's a few stories we have in the gospel record that I trust would allow you and I to realize the beauty of what was found. Please turn in your Bibles to um, Luke chapter 7. Luke chapter 7. We see an example of an individual who somehow discovered and she found something. And she, in no doubt, would leave everything to buy this experience. And that's quite often the joy that we experience in our faith, is by our hunger, our thirst, our passion, our longing, to experience the potential of what Jesus promises, and the experiences of what He intends to do in your life. You and I will be like a man working in a field. We find a treasure. And in our joy, we sell everything and buy that field. Luke chapter 7. We want to begin as we look at verse 36. Now one of the Pharisees invited Jesus to have dinner with him. So he went to the Pharisee's house and he reclined at the table. When a woman who had lived a sinful life in that town... Learned that Jesus was eating at the Pharisees' house, she bought an alabaster jar of perfume. That's expensive. And as she stood behind him at his feet, weeping, that's expensive. And she began to wet his feet with her tears. It's getting expensive. And then she wiped them with her hair. That's expensive. And she kissed them and poured perfume on them. That's expensive. When the Pharisees who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, if this man were a prophet, he would know who is touching him and what kind of woman she is, that she is a sinner. Jesus answered him, Simon, I have something to tell you. Tell me, teacher, he said, oh, two men owed money to a certain money lender. One owed him 500 denarii and the other 50. Neither of them had the money to pay him back. So he canceled the debts of both. Now, which of them will love him more? Simon replied, I suppose the one who had the bigger debt canceled. You have judged correctly, Jesus said. Then he turned toward the woman and he said to Simon, notice he's turning to the woman. He's looking at her, but he's speaking to Simon. Do you see this woman? Notice, Jesus looking at her. I came into your house. You didn't give me any water for my feet, but she wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You didn't give me a kiss, but this woman from the time I entered has not stopped kissing my feet. You did not put oil on my feet. Head, but she has poured perfume on my feet. Therefore, I tell you, her many sins have been forgiven. For she loved much, but he who has been forgiven little loves little. Jesus said to her, Your sins are forgiven. Joy comes through experiences. There's not only the knowledge of Jesus, comes as a package deal, and he gives joy. And the fruit of the Spirit fills our lives with joy. But until you, in essence, have been through the experience of coming to Jesus and looking like a fool and being questioned about your motives, your purpose, your intent, you simply come at the cost of whatever our questions may be. We pour our feet out, our heart out at the feet of Jesus. You got joy that somebody else will never have. Some of us, we've been through those experiences, the humbling process of laying our lives down to trust Jesus Christ. The time that people say, well, it's about time this guy gets his act together. Or it's about whatever the statements may be. They might seemingly hurt us. They might seemingly humiliate us. They might seemingly be whatever they are. But there's nothing like the joy of being broken at the foot of Jesus. And he makes a big deal out of us. However it was coming to faith, however it was coming back to faith, however it was coming back for the fifth time, the tenth time, the twentieth time, there's something about the experience that when Jesus demonstrates his acceptance, his love, and his amazing grace, your joy factor just went right to the roof. To know that you and I, are loved because He came and gave His life, to know that we are forgiven, not because we have earned it or deserved it or somehow forced it or manipulated the process. We simply come and realize, yeah, I have a past, but today I have joy. Today, Jesus came for me. Today, this is what Christmas is about. Christmas is a time in which we recognize that everything that Christ gave, we realize He is the most precious gift. To know that we are loved by Him, to know that His grace has been promised, His favor poured out upon our life, we experience joy. Joy comes in knowing the past is nailed to the cross. A second one that is a little bit different, but has the same kind of of desperation, and yet this blessing. Turn with me to Mark's Gospel, chapter 5. Mark's Gospel, chapter 5. We see a double miracle. And what's beautiful about this miracle is it's different in its recording than most all the other miracles. Sometimes miracles happen in which Jesus blessed many people in large crowds, but most of his miracle stories is one person is healed or experiences a blessing, and that's the end of the story. Well, here's an interesting story that is intertwined together of two unique needs, and both of them are hopeless situations Both of them have passed the season of time where you sort of just kind of give up on believing God's going to do anything about it. It's been a long, extended, stretching process. And to some of us who have had the horror of our kids sick, or the horror of our parents sick, or the horror of waiting around for some crazy results we begin to feel as if there is no answer, no solution, no cure. It's Jesus that gives hope. Notice how it unfolds in Mark chapter 5, beginning with 21. When Jesus had crossed over, By boat to the other side of the lake. A large crowd gathered around him while he was by the lake. Then one of the synagogue rulers, named Jarus, came there, seeing Jesus. He fell at his feet. He pleaded earnestly with him My little daughter is dying. Please come and put your hands on her so that she will be healed and live. So Jesus went with him. A large crowd followed. They pressed around him. A woman was there who had been subject to bleeding for 12 years. She had suffered a great deal under the care of many doctors and had spent all that she had. Yet instead of getting better, she grew worse. When she heard about Jesus, she came up behind him in the crowd and touched his cloak because she thought, if I just touch his clothes, I will be healed. Immediately, her bleeding stopped. And trembling with fear, told him the whole truth. He said, Daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace and be freed from your suffering. While Jesus was still speaking, some men came from him, the house of Jairus, the synagogue ruler. Your daughter is dead. Why bother the teacher anymore? Ignoring what they said, Jesus told the synagogue ruler, do not be afraid, just believe. He did not let anyone follow him except Peter, James, and John, the brother of James. When they came to the home of the synagogue ruler, Jesus saw a commotion with people crying and wailing loudly. He went in and he said to them, why all this commotion and wailing? The child is not dead but asleep. But they laughed at him. After he put them all out, he took the child's father and mother and the disciples who were with him and went in where the child was. He took her by the hand and said to her, Talitha kum, which means little girl, I say to you, get up. Immediately the girl stood up, walked around. She was 12 years old. At this, they were completely astonished. We've all been through moments when fear and life has pressed hard. We've come to places where we don't, we begin to wonder whether Jesus is capable of solving these problems. Whatever our problems are in life, there seems to be an urgency that begins to, to stretch our faith. We begin to wonder somehow whether there's a goodness to God at all. We wonder what is God doing and where He is it's experience. It's a kind of desperation, sort of like the woman who understood that she is unclean, but Jesus has a reputation. Here's a, here's a religious leader, a ruler who was caught in the midst of all the drama of the politics and, and the visual uh, uh, being in front of people. And he hears it all, and he ex- is a part of it all, but he wants to believe. In the moment of his crisis, he takes a risk. I'm going to get laughed at by the religious leaders. I'm going to be thrown out of the synagogue. But none of that matters because I got a problem at home. And Jesus is the only chance in the world. Experience. The only way we discover the beauty of what Christ is about is those times when life gets a little hard. And we humbly say, God... I could run, I could scream, I could throw up my hands, I could call it quits, or I got one other choice. Jesus, we got to talk. And we come in desperation. We may come in brokenness. We may come with ideas and thoughts, but most importantly, we come with a heart that just says, I'm not going anywhere. I'm going to wait. It's in those moments that your joy begins to boil. Your confidence begins to come. We wonder as this religious leader is walking with Jesus on the journey after hearing the report. Your daughter is dead. And his thought is, Jesus hasn't slowed down the pace. He isn't getting distracted. He's not getting on a detour. He just assumes that if Jesus goes... Somehow, it's going to be okay. Can you imagine the joy? The woman, 12 years, she spent everything she had on the doctors and only got worse. She works her way through a crowd that the scriptures indicate the crowd was so thick that nobody could get through. How did she get through? The same way the woman who had a reputation of a sinful life, she got through. There's something about the getting through that opens the door for the reward and blessing of joy. My challenge to us this season is to look at life and realize the challenges, the hardships, the disappointments, the setbacks. And simply look at the Christ child. Say, Lord, you came to bring joy. And there's things in our lives that might be robbing us of joy. They might be hindering us from experiencing the delight or the full reality of why Jesus Christ came. And to humbly just say, I'm here. I trust that this Christmas might rekindle some hope in our lives. It might give us a greater sense of knowing That God is good, and God is gracious, and God's blessing is there. Whether it has to do with a a confidence for ourselves, or for our children, or our family, whatever it may be. Christmas is a time that that joy begins to flicker once again. The excitement of what our faith was all about. Oh, possibly it's the first love that we had with Christ. The excitement, the enthusiasm, it's lost its glow. It's begin to fade away. We are invited to come back and tap into the richness. There's so much more we can learn about the joy that God has provided for us. Most importantly, it's a matter of coming to Him and letting Him be that joy for us. When He begins to show up, when He begins to restore us and bless us again, you and I will experience a renewing of joy. Let's pray. Father, thank you for just a few stories to kind of stir our curiosity. Not so much that we might imagine that you're you're more than you've ever said, but we realize that through the testimony of others that that joy has filled so many lives and has blessed so many people. We pray, O God, that you would indeed allow us to see the beauty of who you are so we would sell everything to have it. Lord, we realize that ultimately our joy comes when our hearts are set in confidence to you. The surrender life, the time we yield ourselves to you, then your joy fills our lives. We thank you for this in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless.